Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, that's our theme portion of Scripture for this series. Let me just read it real quick to kind of catch us up with where we're headed today. Let me remind you, Jesus is speaking, and many scholars would say this is kind of the final words of his Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he spoke about life and the Beatitudes and love and divorce and marriage and family and finances and trusting. I mean, he taught about everything, powerful Sermon on the Mount. And then when he's getting ready to close, these are, these are his final words. And this is what he says. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Just to remind us the word Lord, even though we don't use that term a lot, that word Lord means boss, it means master, right? So Jesus is our master, he's our Lord, he's our Savior. And then in verse 47 he says this, this is so key. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, come, hear, do. Come on, say those three words with me, come on. Come, hear, Do. Then he says, I'm going to show you who that person's like. He is like a man or a woman building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently or violently against that house and could not shake it, for the house was founded or built on the rock. The rock being coming to Jesus hearing his sayings, and doing what he says, and acknowledging him as Lord. That's the rock. Verse 49. But, on the contrary, he or she who heard and did nothing is like a man or a woman who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently or violently, it's the storms of life. Come on, anybody ever been through a storm of life? Anybody ever had trouble? Maybe you're going through one right now. We've been through some, right? And then he says this, that beat vehemently, and on this particular house, because it was built on the sand, or it didn't have a foundation that was solid, it says immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Have you ever watched the news? I'm sure that you have especially recently, and you've seen some of the catastrophic floodwaters that have hit other parts of the world, and you maybe even hit these big multi-million dollar beach houses right on the shore, 
And you think, wow, that's a big $3 million, $5 million house. Nothing's ever going to take that house out. But the waters beat so vehemently that he, 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 eventually the foundation was eroded. And it just started to give way. And that big multi-million dollar beach house just began to crumble. Have you seen those images on the news? I have. That's kind of the picture that Jesus is painting. He's saying, listen, if you come to me and you hear what I say and you do it, you're going to be like a wise man who dug deep and you built the foundation on solid ground. And then when the floods come, because they will, we all go through them, you're going to be solid. Doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen, but you're going to have a, a spiritual foundation that is built on the rock. We don't want to be the other example that Jesus gives us. We want to build on the rock. Come on, somebody say amen. So we're continuing a series that we started last week. Here's the title. It's on the, it's on the board. Out of order. I've given us a subtitle. Here's the subtitle. Realigning our priorities. Come on, say the subtitle with me. Realigning our priorities. And we're talking about the patterns and the priorities of life that God wants us to follow. We're all different. We all got different likes and dislikes. We all got different families. We all got different patterns. But all of us kind of relaunched into the fall season a couple of weeks ago. And that means a lot of different things for a lot of us. We got kids back in school. We got sports. We got different rhythms in life now coming into the fall. We're already thinking about Christmas. Come on, anybody thinking about Christmas? It's coming up. Barbara's already shopping, right? I mean, I saw a Christmas tree lit up last night on the way home from the airport. I mean, people are thinking about Christmas. I mean, this is, this is a season, right? And, we, and our minds, we're busy. We got stuff going on. Even if you don't have kids or grandkids, you know that things are busy now because you get out in the road in the morning or in the afternoon. There's more people on the road. There's more people on the interstate. Because parents are driving around. They're going to school. They're picking up their kids. They're going to sports. I mean, things are moving. And here's the thing, though. If we're not careful, <clears throat> we can get moving so fast without thinking about our relationship with God. We begin to live life out of order. And Jesus kind of lays out a pattern and a priority that he's asking us to step into. And notice what it said in verse 47. He gives us this pattern. It's worth repeating. Come to me. Hear my sayings. And do them. Put them into practice. Put them into practice. Don't just let them go in one ear and out the... Right? So that's the emphasis. We got to recognize that. There's an order. There's a pattern. There's a priority that Jesus has given us, and he's given that to us because he loves us, and he's wise, and he knows what's going to be best for us. Now, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you as your pastor, go back and catch it. I think you'll be lovingly encouraged and a little bit challenged because we emphasized the necessity to come to him. To come to him. And the reason that's important is because we get moving so fast, and we're all guilty of it, that we just start doing things and living life and getting in our pattern and 
the gravity of the groove and the responsibilities, and we're just doing and doing and doing. And then if we have time, or if it can fit in the schedule, we listen to his sayings. And then, unfortunately, if there's a crisis, we'll make the time to come to him because we're desperate. I've, all, I've been there. We've all been there. But that's out of order. Jesus didn't say, do life the way you want to. And then when you think you have time, come and hear my sayings. And then if you get in a crisis, dial me at 911. That's not the order that he gave us. And I, I, as a pastoral team, we want to lovingly remind us, myself included in our congregations, that Jesus has given us a pattern and a priority. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is this, Hear My Sayings. Hear My Sayings. And here's the subtitle for today's message, One Thing is Needed. Would you say the subtitle with me, church? Come on. One thing is needed. Notice verse 47 again, Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, Whoever, do we have any whoever's in here? Anybody qualify as a whoever? That would be all of us. Notice it didn't say the person who's got it all together and, and, and knows the Bible inside and out. He didn't say that. Notice the person who, who's, who's, who's been walking with Jesus for many years and uh, he knows how to do it. He didn't say that. This is open to all of us. No matter where you're at in your relationship with God. Whoever comes to me, notice this, and hears my sayings. And hears, not just coming to him, but, and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you who he's like. And then he builds a picture of a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are you with me so far? Say amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I want us to look at an example of two followers of Jesus who had a heart to come to him and to hear his sayings and do them. Now, guys, I don't want you to uh, check out on me because we're going to look at two women that are followers of Jesus. But this is just as applicable to us as men. As a matter of fact, I want to say this. If you're a man, especially if you're a Christian man, which you are, you need to tune into this because men of God have been chosen by God to lead families and to lead churches. I'm not saying women can't lead, but God has put a special leadership call on men of God to lead the churches, to lead their families, to lead their communities. If you're married, you especially want to tune into this. If you have kids, you especially, doubly especially want to turn into this as a man. So don't, don't check out because they're women. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to come back and we're going to identify some points to ponder. Points to think about. Points to chew on. Points or truths from this text that are going to come alive in us and help us to step into a person who hears the sayings of Jesus and recognizes that's the one thing that's needed above all else in life. Luke 10, 38 through 42, this is what the Bible says. Now it happened as they, Jesus and his disciples, went 
that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, I want you to catch this. It says, who also sat. That means both of them at different occasions were accustomed to sitting at Jesus' feet. But let's pay close attention to this particular occasion. Verse 40. But Martha, she was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Can I just, can I just mention, if Jesus has to repeat your first name twice, you better be careful. Martha, Martha. He's probably going like this. You are worried and troubled about many things. Come on, read this last verse with me. Come on, read it together. Ready? One, two, three, read. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So we got these two women, Martha and Mary. They invite Jesus over for discipleship small group. And the Bible says that Martha is serving. And Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus, and she's leaning in to hear his sayings. Could we say that? She's leaning in to hear his word. Now, let me read you a little bit of Bible commentary that kind of uh, gives us a really close cultural snapshot of what could have been happening here. Martha, the one who is serving, she bases her actions on the culture of her time, where hospitality was among the most important social expectations. Furthermore, in that culture, women were expected to serve and not to learn. Some traditional Jewish writers suggested that women shouldn't be taught to read at all because women learning to read the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the law, would be useless and dangerous. That's the culture that they lived in. Mary, on the other hand, senses that Jesus is not a traditional rabbi. However, and she wants to know her true place in God's kingdom. And the Christian life is similar. Once the Holy Spirit makes his home in us, he will not leave us. And that doesn't instantly adjust our priorities into proper focus. We can echo Martha's well-meaning error. Spending too much energy on the external, simplistic aspects of welcoming Jesus. That can include exceptionally good things, such as serving at the church, listening to Christian radio, or hanging verses on our walls. But those exercises don't replace listening to His words and building a strong relationship with Jesus. Modern Christian culture can be as distracting and burdensome as Mary's hospitality culture. And Paul says such things are lawful, but they're not all 
helpful. So there are things that we need to do, but we need to find out what the pattern and the priority is that Jesus is laying out. Do you think Jesus wants more your service for Him than He does your worship of Him? He wants more of our worship of Him, right? And He knows what's best for us. Notice verse 39. Mary sat and heard His what? His Word. She sat and heard His Word. Now let me just, let me emphasize something. The word heard, it's in your sermon guide, I think. The word heard in the Greek is the word akuo. A-K-O-U-O. And it's an important word. It means to hear something to attend to and consider carefully something that has been said, to hear and understand and perceive with the senses what has been said, catch this, in order to do what has been said. Have you ever told your kids to do something, but it went in one ear and out the other? Have you ever asked them to do something Not Gideon. Gideon always does what his mommy and daddy say, right? Have you ever asked your kid to do something and they didn't pay attention or they just didn't do it, but they heard you? So they say. But this is not that kind of word heard. This is a leaning in because you know it's the master who's speaking his words to you. And you have an intensified uh, attention. You're leaning in and you want to hear and you want to capture what he's saying. Not just so that it's good religious information, but so that you can actually do what he says. Because the blessing isn't necessarily just on the hearing. The blessing kicks into gear in the doing. Come on, somebody say amen. That's where the blessing really resides. So this word isn't just meaning to hear something like you would background music in a coffee shop. You hear it, but you're not really listening to it. No, it means to hear something and to be listening carefully, to understand, consider so that you can do what you heard. This is the same great Greek word that's used in Luke, 4, uh, Luke 6, 46 through 49, when Jesus talks about those who come to hear his saints. When it said that uh, Mary heard his word, and in Luke 6, 46, where he said, whoever comes to me and hears my saying, same Greek word. So Jesus means with an intentionality, not just to let it go in one ear and out the other, but to do what I'm saying. Now catch this. Martha's legitimate concern was to be a proper hostess. Nothing wrong with that. Mary's concern was to be a proper disciple. We have to learn how to discern what's needed right now in this moment. To serve, to be busy, to do this, or, or do I need to pause last week's message? Do I need to come to Jesus? Right? What is, you know, this morning I was meditating on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Some of you know it. Paul says, I'm urging you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your whole selves, a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto Him which is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
perfect. How many of you want to live in the perfect will of God for your life? I do. It starts with coming to Him and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. The word sacrifice is painful. There's a dying to myself. There's a dying to my schedule. There's a dying to what I think i got to do right now. There's a dying to all of the things that got to get done. I'm not saying we're irresponsible. I'm not saying we don't do what needs to be done. I'm saying that Jesus is showing us that there's a pattern and there's a priority to live in such a way so that we're not living out of order, but we're living in order. And that's what he's trying to emphasize here. We can't get to the place where we're so busy and we're living out of order that we're underemphasizing the one thing that is needed. The one thing that is needed. And Jesus said that Mary chose that good part that won't be taken away from her. What did she choose? She chose to sit and hear the words of Jesus. Are you with me so far? I want to give us three points to ponder. The word ponder means to to meditate on, to think about, to ask the Lord to help me to begin to recognize these and make some adjustments. Point number one. Here it is. Here's your first fill in the blank. Distraction is my chief enemy to hearing God. In uh, 2002, I had already been serving the Lord since 1992, and I was frustrated because I knew that there was another level of ministry. I knew that God wanted to uh, possibly open up an opportunity for me to serve Him full time. I didn't mind having to work another job. I had a little business, and I would do it. But, you know, when you just have a sense something's supposed to adjust, and you're supposed to step into something else, and you're waiting for that to happen, I was kind of there. I made a big mistake. I got impatient. I gave up. I went out and I bought like a $40,000 new 350ZX, six-speed, 280 power, horsepower, bucket seats. It was black. It gives my wife a headache when I mention it. It was the biggest, dumbest thing I ever did. Big old payment. Shouldn't have done it. I didn't even go see it. I made the deal over the phone, man. I was just so sucked into it like an idiot because I wasn't hearing God. I was in a hurry, and I repented. And I remember I lived close to the office, so I would go home. And for lunchtime, I would fast a meal, and I would pray, and I would come to Jesus with my Bible and my journal and my pen, and I would ask God to forgive me, and I would tell him that I was sorry, and I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to do to get back on track. What was I doing? I was repositioning my priorities and my heart to be in a place where I could hear from God. One word from God can change your life. One word from God can change your family. It can, it can set you up for the purpose and the plan that He has for you. And as I begin to hear from the Lord and jot things down in my journal and scriptures, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard His sayings. He, re, he reminded me, listen, I didn't tell you to give up. I told you to be patient. I told you that I would make things happen. And he began to align some things. He spoke to me. I wrote some things down. It was clearer than ever. I made a decision. We're going to sell that car. I'm going to do whatever God, God wants me to do. God spoke to me. He spoke to me. I heard him. We're going to step into the next level of ministry for our life. Two weeks later, my boss, our senior pastor, calls us. He says, hey, I want to meet with you guys. Long story short, 
He tells us we're moving to the Carolinas. And the Lord asked us to ask you if you would consider coming. Before we even met with him, I already knew that God was going to send that man to ask us to step into ministry with him. And I already knew, we already knew that the answer was yes. No job, no promise of anything, but we knew. How did that happen? How did I end up here with all you good-looking people? I ended up here because I had to reprioritize my life and come back to a place where I could hear the sayings of Jesus. But I got to understand that distraction is an enemy to hearing God. And I could be distracted with serving. I could be distracted with being in the choir and on the worship team and serving in ministry. I could be distracted doing good things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But there's an order. Come to me. Hear my sayings and do them. How can we do the right things, the God things, if we're not investing the time to hear his sayings? Look at verse 40. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. But Martha was, what's the word? Distracted with much serving. And she approached, she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Look at her, look at her telling Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Look at this word distracted. The Greek word, perispao. This is interesting. To draw away. To be driven about mentally. To be overoccupied and too busy. Pastor Robert, they're good things. Are they God things? Is this is what he wants you to do? Is it taking the place of coming to him and hearing his saints? Are you investing any time to come to him and hear his saints? This is so important, church. You're not living like everybody else. You're a spirit-filled child of the Most High God. You're meant to live on the words of God. So important for me to say, anybody wearing flip-flops? You got flip-flops? Guard your toes, okay? Everybody else got closed-toe shoes? We're good. I want to step on anybody's toes, okay? So I'm just going to mention some things, okay? To say that we do not have time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word is just not true. I heard a pastor one time say it this way. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 12 months out of the year. We have all been given the same amount of resources as it relates to our time. So, to say, I do not have time, is not true. A better way to say it is that I have chosen to manage my time differently, and I have not left any time for God to speak to me. That's just being honest. Pastor Robert. Uh, I, I think I could do pretty good without listening to God and coming to Him and hearing His saints. Listen, I'm not going to condemn you, but I'll disagree. And I think, I think I could disagree based on the Scriptures, based on what God's Word said. Is that right, Barbara? Sure. Good motherly advice, amen? I think every mother in here would say that to their kids right? The reality for so many is that 
We don't have time issues, but rather we have time management and time allocation issues. Let me speak directly again to the men that are here, the men that might be even watching this. Why should you really even ponder this particular point? Men, uh, let's just be real. You got a lot of responsibility. Finances, if you got kids, you're thinking about things beyond their adolescence. I mean, you got, you got mortgage payments. You got a family to care for. You as a Christian man, you can't afford to try to just do it on your own. The words that Jesus wants to speak into you and speak into me, these are words that will bring life, they'll bring faith, they'll bring hope, they'll bring strength, they'll bring courage at a whole nother supernatural level as a man of God that you could never tap into without hearing God speak to you. And so just be encouraged. This is just as much for us as men of God as it is for women, Mary and Martha. Learning to recognize that distraction is your enemy to hearing God is the first step to being able to hear God. Which will set you up, men, to be a better leader in your home. A better husband to your wife. A better father to your children. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When we come to hear the words of God, it brings clarity, it brings light, short-term, long-term vision from God. We're desperate to push the distraction aside and to come and to hear God. Martha was distracted. What she was doing wasn't bad. It was just out of order. It wasn't prioritized correctly in that she missed what really mattered. God has called us to manage our time, order and prioritize it in alignment with His ways so that we can experience God's blessed every day. And sometimes... We don't manage our time correctly because we're distracted. Distraction is an enemy. Point number two to ponder. Here we go. Distraction is often a result of being worried and troubled. Come on, say it with me. Come on. Distraction is often a result of being and troubled. Luke 10, 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. The word worried is the Greek word marimnao. Marimnao. And it comes from the Greek word marizo. It's important. M-E-I, excuse me, M-E-R-I-Z-O, marizo. And that means to divide into parts. To be carried in two different directions in your thinking. It's a distraction, a preoccupation with things that cause anxiety, stress, and pressure, even division in your own self. That's what the word worried means. Come on, we've all experienced it. Did you know that it's a sin to worry? Jesus said, do not worry about your life. It's so easy to get sucked into that. The word troubled. He said, you're worried and troubled. You're worried and troubled. Troubled, the Greek word thoribadzo. It means to be disturbed and disquieted in one's mind, 
from the word that means noise or uproar. That's what that word means. It comes from a root word in the Greek that means noise or uproar. You've experienced it. You're going through life, but you're troubled and there's this noise. There's this uproar that won't quiet, that won't be silenced. And it, and it causes worry and it causes division in your thinking. One day you're sure God is for you. The next day you're not sure if God is for you. One day you know God's with your kids and protect. The next day you're worried and you're troubled because you're not sure. That's because we're not coming to Jesus and we're distracted. So there's not this settledness. And so this worry and this trouble begins to rise up in our hearts. These two words, worried and troubled, are painting a picture of someone who feels, listen, that they are the ones responsible to take care of, look after their own life and their own self-interests. It's the feeling of, if I don't, then it won't. And because of this mentality, they're troubled or disquieted on the inside. It's all on me. And I have to figure it out. I have to do it by myself. I have to take care of everything. So I can't sit and have quiet or experience God's peace and just hear Jesus' sayings because i got to do my life. Well, we gotta, we got to have a dependency on God. I'm not saying we shrug our responsibilities. I'm just saying Jesus is saying there's an order. If we want God's blessing, God's hand, we need to come to Him. We need to hear His sayings. Come on. Everyone can invest 30 minutes a day to come to Jesus and hear His saints. Amen? We can do it. We can do it. Men, again, I think we're guilty of trying to do this. Sometimes we have a hard time sharing our troubles, sharing our concerns. I'm not trying to get like all rosy and emotional, but we're men, so we can handle it. But some of the greatest men in the Bible were only able to handle it because God and the power of God and the words of God Bring them strength and direction and breakthrough for the battles. So we got to be men that are willing to come to God. You know, God spoke to Joshua. Joshua took over for Moses. Moses died. Joshua was going to lead all the Jewish people into the promised land. And before Joshua went and sharpened his bow or sharpened his arrow or, or got his shield ready or put on his armor, he got with God. And Joshua 1.8, God tells him, he says, this book... Of the law, the words that I speak to you, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, Joshua, but you shall meditate in them day and night so that you can observe to do all that is written in it. For then, Joshua, you'll make your way prosperous. And then, Joshua, you'll have good success. He was about to step into the biggest battle of his life. And God said, more than the physical weapons, you need my words to come on the inside of you and strengthen you and encourage you and empower you and paint pictures of victory and going through the battle and coming out on the other side victorious. That's what you need, Joshua. So men, if we're going to win, if we're going to be victorious, we need to reprioritize. We need to reorder our lives the way that... Can you imagine if you begin to... If you've never done this... If you begin to do this, I promise you, after a month, you're going to notice the difference. After six months, your life is going to be different. A couple years, wow, the Word of God is going to be alive in you. Not just alive, alive in you. Experiencing life and relationship and family and breakthrough and career. On a whole different level. But you got to be a man who's willing to come to Jesus and hear His Saints. Point number three to ponder. 
Here we go. The one thing that is needed is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his sayings. Come on. Say it with me, everybody. Come on. The one thing that is needed is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his sayings. Why do we say that? Look what Jesus said. Luke 10, 42. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. Notice, which will not be taken away from her. Every time you invest to hear God's words... It stores up in your spirit and in your heart like a reservoir of words of God, of the blessings of God. You're storing them up. You're depositing them in your bank account spiritually. Jesus' words are spiritual words. Jesus' words brings life and faith. Jesus' words bring healing and restoration. Jesus' words brings clarity and direction. Jesus' words reveal the Father's heart and His will for your life and His will for your family. Jesus' words are not like anybody else's words. In John 6, 63, Jesus said this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spiritual words and they're words of life. And then Peter says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. The word word is the word logos. And it's the very words of God. It's the, it's the communication from God that we can find in the Bible. You can do this. I know you can. You make time, like Barbara said, for anything that's important to you. We can do this. Let me just tell you, this campus pastor has to do this to live his life, not just to be a pastor. I get up every morning early, and the first thing I do is I I invest time with God, reading my Bible, having my coffee. And um, listen, for those of you that have kids, you got to work with each other. Mommy, you watch the kids. Well, Daddy spends time with God. Daddy, you watch the kids. Well, Mommy... This is going to be revolutionary for your life as a man or a woman of God and for your whole family. Practically speaking, we need to understand that for many of us, maybe all of us, this is not a matter of addition, but rather a matter of subtraction. It is not a matter of adding time to sit at his feet and hear his words, but rather subtracting from our lives things that are taken away from and distracting us from sitting at His feet and hearing His words. Okay, so what do we cover? Number one, real quick, distraction is my chief enemy to hearing God. Number two, distraction is often a result of being worried and troubled. Number three, the one thing that is needed is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his sayings. Okay, Pastor Robert, what should I do? What should I do from here? How many of you know that the blessing is in the doing, right? What should I do? Here's what you should do. Make a decision to invest time with God every day and sit at Jesus' feet, hearing his word, prayer, talking to God. I don't know what to say. Say your own words. I don't know what to read. Get a life journal. There's a reading plan. Read a proverb a day. It's not that hard. 
Here's the second thing you can do. You have to create an atmosphere in all your living that welcomes and invites Jesus. It's not just sitting at his feet. It's going through your day when you're changing a diaper, when you're feeding your kids, when you're playing with them, or when you're working with them in the yard. You can stay connected. You can abide in Jesus. You create that atmosphere in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Here's another thing you could do. Uh, prioritize being with your church family on Sundays. You're here, and I know it's a priority to you. Keep that at the top of the list. It's so important for us to gather in the presence of God, to worship together, to encourage one another in the Word, to pray for one another. How about joining a discipleship group? That helps me. I've been part of a discipleship group for 30 years. We. We. Right? We, we. You thought I was French. No. We have been part of a discipleship group for 30 years. Pastor Robert, you have to do this stuff. You're a pastor. No, I don't. I'm not speaking ill about pastors. I'm just saying it can be easy to just put together messages and not get up at 4.30 or 5 because I'm desperate for God to move in my personal life. Not every pastor has to do that. But I want to prioritize. And I want to order my life after God. My wife wants to add something for 30 seconds to what I'm sharing. She is usually a good balance. Um... I don't have a microphone for you, honey. So you can use my headset. Come on. Real quick. We're going to close right now, but she, she usually has something good she wants to add. Real quick. Thank you. Um, so he's a pastor, and I think we can think. Well, yeah, he does that. Um, so I've always, I've always worked, um, either part-time, full-time, or juggling three part-time jobs at one point. And I remember back in the early days, I just knew I needed to have God's word in me. My life was very just unstable, and I wanted that um, stability. I wanted to learn about God. I didn't want to waver with every thought or, you know, influence. I wanted to have that solid life. I didn't grow up as a Christian. In any case, um, just in a nutshell, I remember I had a job that had some kind of flexibility, and I thought... This is going to take a decision. It, it just is. Either I believe God's word, that it's life, and that it's going to transform me, and I'm going to make a decision for it or I'm not. And um, at that point, I said, okay, before I leave the house, I'm going to get in the word, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 15 minutes, um, 20 minutes. And if I have to tack those minutes on to my workday, so be it. And that was just a decision that I made, and I had that flexibility. And that's how that worked out. Mm -hmm. And I would stay, you know, 20 minutes later at work or whatever. And I believe that God honored that, and he, he established this habit. Mm. And all I could say is when we make a decision to spend time with God consistently, he'll help us because we, 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 we don't always we don't do anything perfect, you right. know. He brings his word, just like you were saying, it gives us so much clarity and gives us that stability. Amen. Amen. In Building him. on a solid rock. Amen. Amen. Good. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and we'll pray. Come on. No condemnation. No guilt. God's working on all of us. But let me just pray for you before we leave. How many of you here today would say honestly, not that you're going to do it perfectly, 
but that you want to step into this, that you want to become a person, become a person who comes to Jesus and hears his words. If you want prayer for that, come on, just lift your hand. If you want to be that person, right? A couple people, yeah, good. All right, let me pray. Would you agree with me in your heart? Father, we come to you right now, recognizing that your presence is here. You've seen our heart. You see our hand. And we believe that this is the order and the priority that you called us to live as followers of Jesus, to people who come to him, to be people who hear his sayings. And I pray that you would touch every single person here by the power of your Holy Spirit. You would graciously encourage them and give them wisdom to carve out the time in their life to be people who come to Jesus and hear his sayings. And Father, as they begin to do that, I thank you for the exponential blessing that you're going to pour out on them as a result of their walking in obedience. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.